Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Okay, well, let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much for, Lord, you being here this morning with us and help us now, Lord, we pray as we, Lord, read and study and want to learn so we can live your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Genesis 45, verse 9, starting verse 9, Genesis 45, 9. Haste ye, go up to my father, say unto him, thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. Come down unto me, tarry not. Thou shalt dwell in the land of Goshen. Thou shalt be near me, thou and thy children, and thy children's children, and thy flocks and thy herds, and all that thou hast. There will I nourish thee, for yet there are five years of famine, lest thou and thy household and all that thou hast come to poverty. Behold, your eyes see, the eyes of my brother Benjamin. It's my mouth that speaketh unto you. You should tell my father of all my glory in Egypt, and of all that you have seen, and you shall haste and bring down my father hither. He fell upon ben- brother Benjamin's neck, wept. Benjamin wept upon his neck. Moreover, he kissed all his brethren, wept upon them, and after that his brethren talked with him. The fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house, saying, Joseph's brethren are come. And it pleased Pharaoh well and his servants. Pharaoh said unto Joseph, Say unto thy brethren, This do ye, laid your beast, and go. Get you in the land of Canaan. Take your father, your households, come unto me. I'll give you the good land, good of the land of Egypt. You shall eat of the fat of the land. Now thou art commanded, this do, this do you. Take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones, for your wives, and bring your father and come. Also, regard not your stuff, for the good of all the land of Egypt is, is yours. And the children of Israel did so. And Joseph gave them wagons according to the commandment of Pharaoh, and gave them provision for the way. Okay, now, this chapter, as we've we've been reading here, this is really kind of a roller coaster of emotions. I mean, it it, it starts off with the the most startling words that that the brothers ever heard, which were just those words in in verse 3 when they said, when he said, I am Joseph, I am Joseph. And that was a shock for them. That changed their lives forever. And at first... It, it, it was just hard for them to process this as they were kind of going through their mind. Wait a minute, no, I thought you were Zathnath Paneah, and 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 you and that was bad enough. And now and and but Joseph, no, 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 he was hopelessly lost as a slave in Egypt. They never thought they would see him again. And much like people today who think that the Lord Jesus died, he was buried, and he really wasn't raised from the dead. He wasn't the Almighty God. It, and and I'm not going to stand before him when I die. I'm not going to be judged by him. I mean, many people believe that way. They believe that the Bible is a book of fairy tales. 
and they don't believe that the Bible is, is, is accurate when it says that Jesus is God and that he's going to judge everyone. I mean, many people today, they don't believe in a literal heaven, and they certainly don't believe in a literal hell, and they just go through life that way without any fear of God. And that's how the Lord Jesus described the people in Noah's day that he said was going to be exactly the same way before he came back, before he comes back, when he said in Matthew 25, 38, Matthew 25, 38, 24, 38, 24, 38, he said, for in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking and marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away. So most people today are in that, that state that's described there in verse 38, Matthew 24, 38. They are the days before the flood. They're eating, they're drinking, they're, they're, they're casting off all these, these, these troublesome sexual inhibitions and they're, they're just having a great time according to Matthew 24, 38, 39, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and carried carried them, took them all away. And that's that word there, that word that, 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 that appears twice that describes how it's all gonna come to an end and it's the word until, until. All their lifestyle of doing whatever made them feel good, of enjoying their 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 only pass through life, it all comes to an end with that word until eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage until the day that 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 Noah entered into the ark. I mean, they didn't know that they would be judged for their sins, and they didn't want to know, and and so therefore they were in that state which the Bible calls willful ignorant. In Second Peter three five, Second Peter three five, willfully, willful ignorance, to the point of the until, and knew not until the flood came and took them away. And you can feel the shock of the people when they're when they're, they're as they're about to face judgment. You can feel the shock of these brothers in verse three when Joseph says, "I am Joseph." But when when Joseph did reveal himself to them as he did here. It wasn't for the purpose of judging. It was for the purpose of reconciliation. It was just the opposite because he had really one goal and that goal is what he said. He said, I want to nourish you. I want to take care of you. I want to protect you. And so this was the wonderful reconciliation that took place. It was private. As we saw right there in verse one, uh, uh, Joseph cleared out everybody to make him, when he went to go make himself known to his brothers and they were reconciled. But, uh, and that all came about when Joseph said, especially in verse four, I am Joseph, your brother. He said, I am Joseph, your brother. See, with those words, Joseph owned that he was still their brother. He was still their brother. And so when we come to a verse like verse 16, where it says the fame thereof was heard in Pharaoh's house saying Joseph's brethren are come and it pleased Pharaoh well and, and his servants. See, that fame spread all over Pharaoh's house that Joseph had come and then he asked the question, how did that happen? Because everybody was gone. Every, he sent them all out. How did everyone in Pharaoh's house learn 
that those men were Joseph's brothers. Why? There's no indication that Joseph told anyone that those men were his brothers. There's every reason to believe that from the time that Joseph's brothers came into Egypt for the food and that Joseph recognized them as he did in Genesis 42.7 and Genesis 42.7 where we saw and Joseph saw his brethren and he knew them but made himself strange unto them, spoke roughly unto them. See, Joseph told no one that they were his brothers. I mean, after all, after all, why would Joseph take any risk that his brothers would find out that he wasn't really Zatna? Well, he was Zatna, anyway, that he was Joseph. So we have every reason to believe that Joseph kept that a secret that his brothers had come, that that was just known by Joseph and God. And Joseph controlled that information that they were his brothers. And, 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 and first, Joseph tells his brothers in verse four when he says, I am Joseph, your brother. And next, after that, Joseph tells the Egyptians, these are my brothers. These are my brothers. Now, can you picture that? I mean, can you picture that? I mean, you know, we're the Egyptians. We're outside. We've all been put out, right? And Joseph and his brothers are in that room there, you know? So, and all of a sudden, the door opens like that, see? And he says, come on, Kaiser. And they're all standing here. And then Joseph said, these are my brothers. That's what happened. These are my brothers. I have an announcement to make to all of you. These are my brothers. So it was Joseph who made the announcement that they were his brothers. And Joseph only made that announcement after he had been reconciled with his brothers. I mean, they were now reconciled. And so Joseph was now not ashamed to be called the the brother of those men because they were reconciled. And as a matter of fact, because they were now reconciled, Joseph was now happy to be called their brother. And we can imagine the Egyptians, you know, they're, 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 they're looking at the brothers and they're saying, are those really your brothers? <laughs> are, aren't, are, you, are, are you in any way ashamed to be called their brother? And Joseph would say, I am their brother. These are my brothers and I'm not ashamed to be called their brother. Now, when you think about that, that becomes an illustration for us of what God does for every believer, every believer who has come to the point of openly confessing, look, I'm a stranger and a pilgrim down here on earth. You can take the world, but give me Jesus, and because I'm making my way to my home in heaven. Now, when any believer does that, then God does something special, and it's described in Hebrews 11, Hebrews 11, 13. Hebrews 11, 13 says, these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from which they came out, they might have had opportunity to have returned. But now they desire a better country that is a heavenly, wherefore God is not ashamed to be called their God. 
for he hath prepared for them a city. See, by contrast, when a, when a believer lives, lives in the world like he loves the world and he, he wants to stay in the world, he's, he's not living as a stranger and a pilgrim on earth. He's right in the middle of everyone. Then God is ashamed to be called their God. And when we see Joseph not ashamed to be called their brother, that's an illustration for us of what will happen in the future when the Jewish people, when the Jewish people are going to go through another Holocaust trial that's going to be twice as bad as the last Holocaust. And in the end, they'll turn to the Lord Jesus Christ, they'll confess him as their as their God, and then God is not going to be ashamed to be called their God. And that's the time that's described in Zechariah 13.9. Zechariah 13.9, where it says, God says, I will bring the third part through the fire and will refine them as silver is refined and will try them as gold is tried. And they shall call on my name and I will hear them and I will say, it's my people and they will say, the Lord is my God. See, when this conversation takes place, when this happens, that they call on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, then he's not going to be ashamed to be called their God. And this fame spread throughout uh, Pharaoh's house so that Joseph's, Joseph's brothers has come, and everybody was very happy. Now, if you think about it, up until this point, there was a dark shadow over Joseph's um People, I don't know how you say it, Joseph's descent. It was a dark shadow over Joseph's, let's just say, brothers, who the Egyptians must have known had sold Joseph as a slave into Egypt. And in a sense, there's a dark shadow over the brothers of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Jewish people, because he was crucified, and over his cross, there was a title, King of the Jews, and he never gave up that title of being the King of the Jews. He never said, no, take that down. That's, uh, I don't want that. He never did. And, and it was kind of a scandal in Joseph's day about his past. It was a scandal, you know, that his brother sold him as a slave. In the same sense, there's a great scandal over, over the Lord's own people, the Jewish people, and the scandal is summarized in John 111. Because in John 1.11, it says, this is the scandalous statement. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. That's a scandal. But after the reconciliation, when Joseph was not ashamed then to call himself their brother, the scandal of the past in Joseph's life was over. It was, gone. it was done. The scandal of him being sold into slavery by his, by his brothers, that was removed. And in the same way, the reconciliation that's coming between the Lord Jesus Christ and his own Jewish people, when he will not be ashamed, could call himself their God, their God, that that will be when the scandal of the past of how the Jewish people rejected him, it'll be removed. It'll be all gone. Okay, now, <coughs> we get an insight into how Joseph did not let his position of being ruler over Egypt go to his head. And we see this in the first statement that he instructed his brothers to tell his father in verse 9. In verse 9, Genesis 45, 9, he said, haste you, go up, haste you go up to my father and say unto him, Thus saith thy son Joseph, God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. 
See, that was what he wanted them to say first. God hath made me Lord of all Egypt. That was very important for Joseph that that message that God had made him Lord of all Egypt, he was saying to them, he was saying to his brothers, look, no matter what else you might say, be sure that right off the bat, you make it very clear that my promotion to be ruler over Egypt was the work of God. Do not, whatever you do, do not say, boy, dad, you would not believe the position that little Joe's got. You know, you would be so proud of Joseph. He's really advanced himself straight to the top of the ranks. He's the governor of all Egypt. Boy, that Joseph, you know, he's really great. So Joseph wanted them to never talk that way about the greatness of Joseph, but only talk about the greatness of God. It reminds me of every time I would see my mother, we would have this, we would have forever, we had the same conversation that always went like this. Tommy, I'm so proud of you. You've done so much. And then I would say, no, mom, it's all of God. It's what he has done. It's not me. And then she would say, no, you did it. So anyway, that conversation repeated every time we would get together because it's so easy for parents to want to take pride in what happened to their kids. And it was very important to Joseph that he never be portrayed as the one who did it all. And that's why he said to his brothers, you tell dad in verse nine that it was God who made me Lord of all Egypt. And and God had made Joseph. Lord of all Egypt, and, and that was a living reality for Joseph. It was so, you know, so easy just to say, well, you know, just to, to say, okay, God gave me everything, but, but secretly inside say, no, I really did it. You know, God helps those that help themselves, you know. That's the seed of pride. That's the seed of pride. It's so easy to not give God the credit for what he has done for us and to give ourselves the credit. And this is what the Bible calls a heart that is secretly enticed and a mouth that kisses the hand. Now, very graphic in Job 31. Job 31, 25, and then 27 and 28. Job 31, 25 says, if I rejoiced because my wealth was great, because my hand had gotten much, in verse 27, and my heart hath been secretly enticed or my mouth has kissed my hand. This also were an iniquity to be punished by the judge, for I should have denied the God who is above. See, Joseph kept this strict guard over his heart to keep it from being secretly enticed, where he, where he would say, where, where his, he would say, my hand did it all, and then he would kiss his hand. No, he said, I'm not going to do that. He said, yeah, I worked on this. He worked on this constantly. Now, Joseph, now, now, Joseph, <coughs> we've seen how Joseph was, was telling him, go down and bring father back. Now, Pharaoh has gotten really involved in wanting, uh, Jacob to come. And we see how involved he is in verse 19, verse 19, where Pharaoh said, now thou art commanded this do ye and take you wagons out of the land of Egypt for your little ones, your wives, bring your father and come. So when Pharaoh says these words, thou art commanded this, do you? That's very strong language. That's, that's very strong language. 
It's not a, it's not a suggestion. It's not a recommendation. It's not a request. It's a command. He says, thou art commanded. And if anyone had any doubt as to whether or not Joseph had the authority to, to bring his father up and settle him in the best land of Goshen, it was all settled when, when Pharaoh gave this command. Now, you might wonder, well, if Goshen was the best land of Egypt, you think it was just sitting there empty for them? There wasn't anybody on there? There wasn't any current occupants? I mean, I mean, what are they supposed to do? And well, the famine had gotten to a point where the people ended up selling all their land for food. And so in the end, Pharaoh ended up owning all the land. But that doesn't mean that they're going to go joyfully. Oh, good. These Hebrews are going to come take over the best land. It, it reminds me, I can't help it, but it reminds me. Think about how Scanabody's got the land in Buddhist Europe, in Ethiopia, with this 95% Muslim city. When we went there and I met the mayor, the mayor was so excited that when I told him, you know, when he knew that I was a foreign investor, we were a foreign company, and that we wanted to move to his city, he was so excited that he actually went out of his office and went on the street and started telling people, you know, and said, hey, well, they got a foreign investor. Well, in Ethiopia, the government owns all the land, and everyone actually leases land from the government, sort of like Egypt in, in, in the time of Joseph. So he, he said, okay, we'll show you some land. So he started off on the show of some land, drove way up this hill, this dirt road. That was awful. I said, no, 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 no. It's got to be on a paved road, I told the mayor. Well, that's a tall order in Ethiopia because only 13% of the roads are paved. And so, so then he showed us another piece of property, and it was pretty good. It was right on the paved road. It was, it was nice, kind of set a little bit lower from the paved road. It looked really nice. And we were making an agreement there that we were going to lease that land, standing out there in the middle of this plot parcel. And we we're standing there, and this little, must have been about eight-year-old boy, he, he, he's an Ethiopian. Of course, he's an Ethiopian boy. Everybody's Ethiopian, Ethiopian. Anyway, he comes running up to our group, and he said, are you going to get this land? Are you going to get this land? Because he lived nearby. And we said, yeah, we were. And then he's, and, and then he, 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 he dragged one of the guys over to a tree and he pointed up to the tree, about eight foot up on the tree. And then up on the tree, there was like this line, line, line of lime, like a lime line up there on the top. And he, and then he started to explain to us, you know, during the rainy season, this becomes a lake and that's the water level. <laughs> At that point, we're really ready to leave. I thought I was angry. I thought, we are going to make all this investment and be underwater. And so then it's okay, we're leaving. That's it. And then the, the mayor says, no, wait, wait, wait. He says, wait, wait, wait. I, I got one more piece to show you that the, that the city had there. And it was a beautiful land, 12 acres. Oh, it's, you know, beautiful, gentle slope, great land. And, and that's the land that we ended up leasing. He got fired from being mayor for giving us that land. Anyway, now the only problem was is that the land was not vacant. There were farmers living on the land, and they were working the land. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. 
Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711-330, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. Do you have fatigue or trouble getting out of bed or just getting through the day? Are you so tired you can't focus? Do you feel like your life is drained away? Do you have fibromyalgia headaches? I have good news for you. Our doctors at Scanabody's Imaging and Therapy can give you cellular ozone therapy. Why not get your energy back now by calling us at 1-888-529-9016 or visit us at treatmyfatigue.com. 